Rising inflation continues to dominate the headlines. The market continues to be volatile. How can you protect your nest egg from all the uncertainty? On today's show, we'll outline some strategies to help you do just that. Welcome in to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall, and, of course, this is the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. Uh, Steve is a best-selling author, cookie-cut this, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. He's a fiduciary. He's been helping folks get to and through retirement for more than 20 years, and uh, you can find him online at laurelws.com. That's laurelws.com. Jot that down. Visit that website. You can learn more and connect with Steve that way as well. Uh, in the morning, well, hey, in the meantime, hi, Steve. How are you? Hi, how are, how are you? Very, very Hope well. Thank you. You know, holiday I, season's going okay. Uh, so far, so good. Yeah. How about you? It's going great. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, just this year. I mean, when you compare it to last year, it seemed like it didn't end ever. And this year has <laughs> gone by so quickly to me. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I can't believe it's, you know, middle of December already. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, well, and and again, the market's doing what the market does. Folks are, well, let me just ask you this way. Are your, are your clients feeling a little anxious? Are you hearing from them? Um, or are they pretty safe and secure where they are? No, so there's always going to be a couple people who just... Um, it's just, they just don't have the stomach for, for market volatility and, the, and will get nervous. But if you've allocated things properly and the money that's in the market is not money that you're going to be spending in the next year, two years, three years, then you, you, you're more inclined to be able to ride out the storm. Whereas if it's money that you think you need in a month, uh, you definitely don't want to have that riding in the market. But money that's not going to be spent in, say, the next five years while the market's volatile on a, a one a one day basis, and it's cer certainly volatile sometimes and down on a one year basis, very seldom is it down on a five year basis. So if it's not money, as long as you're not allocating money to the market, that's money you're planning on spending in the in the near term. You can you're you can much more comfortably ride out these these pockets of volatility. Sure. Well, again, that that makes sense, and that's really what you do, Steve. Is you help folks in that transition between you know the acquisition where we spend most of our life acquiring money, and then you guide us through that transition into the distribution and preservation, and you know make sure that we've got income all the way through retirement. No, that's exactly what we do. And and so uh, you know as we look at this, one of the things that we need to talk about, and, and um, it's. It's an interesting discussion is the sequence of returns risk and people really kind of need to understand that. And, and it's, it's not difficult, but it's, it's not very easy, but I don't know. it's, it's complicated. Let's just say that. Let's, uh, let's break it down for folks. Yeah, it, it, it is complicated, but let's make it pretty simple. Sure. I, I think there's a, uh, sometimes advisors over, over complicated to make it seem like it's a lot more of a, uh, and I don't know if you've seen those Charles Schwab ads where they make fun of the guy doing the retirement class and the yes, uh, <laughs> and yes, so, I've seen them. And ha he has like a big complex formula on the yeah. It's really the easiest way to explain it is like a lottery, right? So okay. I call it the retirement start date lottery. If you happen to retire, and say you're, I, I often use government employees sure. as an example on this because I, I work with a lot of federal government employees, mm -hmm. um, but. Let's just say, hypothetically, you retire and you want to start withdrawing from your TSP, which is your their version of the 401k. Okay. Those, those withdrawals come out proportionately. So say you were 70% in stocks and 30% in bonds and you're retiring 
at the peak of the market in October of 2007. Now, while the market's going down for that year and a half, you're withdrawing 70% out of the stocks. So what happens is when the market bottoms out in 2009, you've now sold a lot more shares of your stock. And you, when it comes back up, you have much less growing for you. So you lose the retirement start date lottery in that situation. Okay. How, yeah, do, we, so how do we avoid that? So the right way to do it is to do an allocation like what we talked about right uh, just a couple of seconds ago, sure. where the money that you're going to spend in the first three years of retirement shouldn't be in the market. Now, in that scenario, if you were a, a federal government employee, that would involve you probably rolling money out of your TSP. Um, so in that, in that plan, they have um, five investment choices, and then they have asset allocation funds, which are just a combination of the same five investment choices. Okay. So for example, the stock piece of the, of the, the, the stock options there could easily be replicated in an IRA with like Vanguard or Fidelity and index funds, because that's all those are is their stock market index funds. Right. And what can't be replicated in the IRA is the safe piece because they have a stable value fund called the G fund that pays about 2%. You can't get that in an IRA because money market rates are a hundredth of a percent. Yes, so what you would do is you'd roll the stock piece of your portfolio out into an IRA and you'd leave the, the conservative piece of your portfolio in the TSP and then you'd move it all into the conservative option, the G fund. And now you can choose if the stock market's doing well, you pull from the IRA where you have the stocks. If it's doing poorly, you pull from the safe money. Well, that seems so to that make way, perfect sense. Yeah, by by segmenting it out into buckets like that, you can always make decisions from a position of strength because you're not you're not automatically selling out of the stocks, and that that's how you that's how you avoid sequence of return risk. Well, so it's I, pretty simple. It's it, not you don't need a, a complex algorithm to figure it out. Well, I mean, again, I mean, I mean even you know, even a simpler approach is you know every dollar has a job. You know, purpose determines placement. Exactly. So you want to switch from just kind of the cookie cutter allocation or, or investing based on a risk threshold to investing based on your goals. And so that's why sitting down, figuring out a well-defined goal and assigning a cost to it and figuring out the timing of when you're going to spend the money and how much you're projected to spend is so important. And it's so critical to be budgeting and, and, and understanding what your lifestyle is going to cost. Sure. And again, those are the kinds of things that you talk about with folks every day. And and, and folks, if you want to get a head start, here's the number, 800-705-9995. You can give Steve a call, sit down with him. And, you know, let's let's talk about, I mean, I guess we kind of already did, but so how do we hedge against the market downturns? And is that even the right term to use? Yeah, it's not really the right term to use. Okay, good. There are situations where hedging does make sense. So for example... I mean, these are more complicated strategies and they certainly don't apply to everyone, but uh, occasionally I run into them. Like, uh, so for example, I had a client who had a big position in Bristol Myers. And so it was in her 401k. What we did was we rolled, we rolled the stock out of the 401k using something called net unrealized appreciation. Now in that situation, we're not going to sell all of that stock and it was a large position. Um, to diversify it because it would be it would incur capital gains tax and and you know it's just not smart to do it all at once like that. Sure. So in in that situation, that's where you would want to use some type of a hedge, and there there are strategies you can do to 
hedge that position. But in terms of the average person, when we talk about hedging against downturns, it's really harkens back to what we were just talking about. And basically, you know that the market has been great for the last 10 years. You're hitting a pocket of volatility now. If you're within three years from when you're going to be retiring, now's probably a time to kind of shift some money out of the market and put it into something safe once you've determined how much you need to keep safe for those first few years of retirement. And Steve, I mean, this is a great opportunity for folks to call right now and get on your calendar, isn't it? It is. Yeah, we we make the spots available every week. We make 15 spots available for our listeners. We do a comprehensive retirement distribution plan, absolutely free, and for the first 15 callers. 800-705-9995. As Steve can do, he'll take that complex financial world, break it down into something that makes sense. 800-705-9995. You're going to get that comprehensive financial review. You'll see where you are today, but more importantly, you'll wind up with a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be. 800-705-9995. Again, 800-705-9995. Some 60 million Americans are saving for retirement in a 401k. If you're one of them, are you getting the most out of your contributions? When we come back, some ideas to optimize your 401k and make it even better. We're back on The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Uh, Steve, of course, is a fiduciary. He's independent. Uh, he's a best-selling author. Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. Uh, he is a sought-after speaker on uh, retirement planning, on income planning with other advisors around the country. And uh, that business has got to be pretty brisk, huh, Steve? Yeah, no, it's, you know, everyone, not just clients, want to learn about this. Other firms, advisors, uh, they definitely want to know more about it because most most people have focused on accumulating uh, retirement assets. So most advisors focus their practice on people 35 to 55. And it's not because those people are more important than anyone else. It's self-interested by the advisor, right? Because, well, of course, I get it. <laughs> because most people earn their most income between the ages of 35 and 55. And they're usually not withdrawing from it. They're plugging more money in mm -hmm. and saving. So um, now as a huge demographic of people are entering retirement, you know, it's become more of a focus. So when I first started doing retirement distribution planning uh, in the early 2000s, it, there wasn't really anyone doing retirement distribution planning. I was kind of a, a lone wolf, so to speak. Um, now there's lots of people that, that call themselves retirement distribution planners. Um, and they, you know, and there, a lot of the big firms want their advisors to learn more and be more knowledgeable on how this is because it's a different skill set entirely. Sure. Planning for distribution in retirement as opposed to planning for retirement. Well, absolutely, and I think it's important that you work uh, that that, a, that somebody works with a fiduciary like you, an independent, somebody with a lot of experience. And and you know, there's something to be said for working with someone like you, Steve, who's you know not a giant corporation with the you know uh, national TV spots. No, we're talking about somebody who gets to know your clients. They get to be like family to you and you really care about what they're doing. And when they call you, you're going to answer the phone. No, that's, that's it. I mean, my clients have my cell phone number. Uh, I make my calendar, I open my calendar to my clients. So they're able to go on and schedule appointments themselves um, whenever they want. So if they want to do a 10 minute, 15 minute call, half hour, they can schedule that. Uh, so accessibility is very important. Uh, the big firms are a lot of the advisors there are also fiduciaries, but 
they'll they'll you know, I want to kind of explain that just briefly before okay, we get great. into the four K stuff. Yeah, let's do is it. because so if you're working with someone from a Merrill Lynch or a UBS, it's they they could very well be a fiduciary, but they'll say that they're dually registered, and they'll talk about that like it's a good thing. Um, but what that means is that they can sell commission based products or they can do fee based products. And in when they're doing a fee based product, meaning they're charging you a fee to manage a certain piece of your money. They're acting as a fiduciary specific to that money, but they could have a second account that's transactional and they're getting paid a commission. So it kind of, I think that's not the best way to go. Uh, because if you're, if you're, if you're duly registered, you, it's hard to know when they have which hat on. Of course. So, you know, one of the things that we see sometimes is that, um, an advisor will move over money from a fee-based account into a transaction-based account and sell, you know, a, a new IPO of a closed-end fund, for example. And you see that move and it's it's done 100% just to generate some commission for the advisor that month. And so um, I'm not a big fan of the duly registered, but we, we talk about why independence matters. When you're working with a fiduciary who's independent, he's not beholden to any company products as well. So while they'll never tell you that there's, you know, a difference or a lack of obje objectivity, they do usually get compensated more to sell the home team product. So, um, so if they're, if they're doing, uh, if they're a mass mutual agent, who's doing a fee-based account for you, chances are they're going to also recommend a mass mutual life insurance policy or a mass mutual annuity. And I'm not, not picking on mass mutual. I'm just using them as an example. Understood. But, um, that's that's what we mean by independence. Sure. And again, I think that's those are just important things to know about working with an advisor and, and you know, making that choice is, is a big decision for folks. Folks, if you want to sit down with Steve, 800-705-9995. Now let's talk about a 401k and, and maybe kind of maximizing the, the, the 401k. I, you know, for me, my experience with a 401k is I was hired by a pretty large company, uh, went into an orientation. Uh, they said, hey, we've enrolled you in a 401k. Uh, it's in a target date fund. See ya. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And, I, and I, there, there is much more to it than that, or there can be, and that's where you come in. Right. And so the 401k, this is one that blows my mind, is that, uh, you know, a lot of people will start, and I think um, the younger folks out there has been drilled into, you know, anyone who's probably under 55, it's been drilled into your head that Social Security can't be counted on. Yes, exactly. And that you should be saving oh, yeah. it. Yep. And you should be saving on your, your 401k. So most of us have been very good about actually starting saving at a young age. And now the issue as we get into our late 40s, early 50s, is that maybe we've accumulated a significant balance if you've been investing in the 401k and stocks, for example. Uh, you might have a seven-figure balance already in your pre-tax assets. So now the question becomes, should you still be doing pre-tax contributions to your 401k? And Yes, you get the deduction, and maybe it does save you a little bit on your income taxes currently. But at 72, and potentially by the time you actually you know get to retirement, it might be 75. Um, you're going to have to start taking minimum distributions. And why is that important? Well, over that say say you're 50 now, over that 22 to 25 years, that money could potentially quadruple in value. So yes, you're saving on a dollar of taxes now, but when you have to, when it comes time to distribute it, it's going to be worth four dollars, and you're going to have to pay income tax on all four dollars of it at a time when you don't know what the tax brackets are going to be. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I'm not a I'm not Nostradamus, but 
tax brackets are at historic by historical levels are at, at pretty low. Yes. Um, top tax rates in the late 70s, early 80s were 70 percent. And so it, it's very possible coming out of this pandemic, having inflation, um, having all the spending that go the government has done that the government raises revenue one way taxes. So it's very possible that tax rates could be much higher when you enter retirement. And now you've lost the ability to control that tax. So switching today into something like a Roth 401k, if your plan offers the Roth component is, is something that really makes a lot of sense. And that's one of the things that uh, we look at with all of our, with all of our financial plans and we'll show you and we'll say, and one of the things that we don't want you to, we don't want you to, to save to a detriment, meaning like if you don't have the ability to, to reduce your check by making Roth contributions, as opposed to traditional, then we're not going to advise you to do that. But um, to the extent your spending is, it could support a smaller paycheck or a slightly smaller paycheck by losing the tax deduction currently, uh, it a lot of times will make sense to switch to Roth contributions. All right. Well, those are the kinds of questions. Those are the kind of things that you go over. And, and uh, you know, you said you work a lot with federal employees, and I think that's important to note because not everybody understands that world either. Right. No, and that's one of the things that we're going to look at. So the TSP, which is their 401k, went through a modernization a couple of years ago where they allow now that you can to contribute into Roth. Oh, okay. And you would think that you would think that pretty much every employee knows this, but in fact, you know, my experience is that a lot of employees don't even know that they have the Roth option available to them. So, wow. um, you know, so these are things that we're going to point out in the plan, and we're going to look at, and we we have, you know, it's not just federal employees; we have very a lot of experience with Florida state employees. Oh, of and, course. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, corp pretty much every big corporation that's out there. So um, I'm pretty familiar with most of their plans. Sure. And so that's one of the things, one of the advantages of dealing with someone who only focuses on one area and someone who specializes. And we still have about 10 spots left. Uh, and we offer that to our listeners every week. Uh, free comprehensive retirement distribution plan. 800-705-9995. Again, 800-705-9995. Planning for retirement forces us to make a lot of decisions. Making the wrong ones can make or break your retirement. When we come back, we'll outline some factors affecting your income and cost of living. We're back on The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. Steve, of course, is a best-selling author. Uh, he is uh, certainly expertise in, in retirement and income planning, that transition period between, you know, the acquisition, then the distribution preservation mode, uh, the income mode. Uh, and he's been helping folks for more than 20 years. And, uh, Steve, this is something, too, where, where we talk about, you, you know, what you what we do when we sit down with an advisor is we're, we're making decisions, pretty important decisions, and we need somebody with some insight, with some knowledge that can help us make those choices. And I like what you do as an advisor is you give us options. You know, it, here is this one, this one, or this one, and make your choice. It's up to you, right? Right. We, yeah, we call that scenario modeling. And what we'll do is we'll look at different scenarios. So, for example, a lot of the people out there listening probably made a cognizant decision to live in Florida because there's no state income tax. Right. But, and it's warm. <laughs> and it's warm, yeah. <laughs> And if you have grandkids, they love, they love to come to visit down well, here. Of course, there's they a million do. things to do. Um, but the, you know, there are people who are living in Florida that want to potentially live abroad 
and maybe they want to move to Latin America or Europe somewhere. And so it's good to model that scenario out and see how that would actually play out. Um, sometimes people want to live in a completely different state. Maybe they want to move up to New Hampshire, which is another tax-free state or, or Tennessee. Um, and so, or maybe they want to go to California or New York, and that's a completely different tax situation. So it's important to figure that out and to use a realistic assumption of taxes. And then we just talked in the last segment about how tax rates are subject to change. Um, certain states are also mo more, more likely than not to be raising state income taxes. So if you just think logically um, at the states that were really hit hard by the pandemic, um, a lot of those northeastern states, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, um, it's very reasonable to think that those states will be raising taxes um, in the not too distant future. So, you know, if that's a place where you think that you're going to retire to, or maybe, maybe you, you live there now and you have a place in Florida and you're not spending six months in a day in Florida, um, well, guess what? You're going to be paying state income taxes in those states. Sure. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely relevant and it's something that a lot of advisors just kind of give lip service to, or they'll use a, they'll use a, you know, a set rate, like 15%. And, and what I found is in a lot of cases, people's actual effective tax rate right now under current law is actually less than 15%. Um, and in some cases, um, people's are, people's rates are a lot more than 15%. So you, you don't want to just use a kind of cookie cutter standard tax rate. You want to, you want to uh plan based on on the actual scenario so you you plan on the actual scenario as opposed to planning on the scenario you wish you had right just using some type of <laughs> cookie cutter yeah and so um and the 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 thing about planning for a, a risk is if you plan for a risk and say you overestimate that risk well guess what it just means you have more money right if you under plan for a risk then that's a lot harder, right? Exactly. Because now, now you're running shortfalls. So it's always smarter to use a more conservative estimate on your taxes and to use a more conservative estimate on inflation, which it, we kind of talk, touched on briefly in the last segment. But inflation has been under 2% for the last 20 years. I, if I had a dollar for every financial plan I've seen where the advisor's projecting inflation at zero or one or zero. 2%, who would yeah. do that? There are people out there you that see do that? it. You, I've seen it. And wow. so they, you know, and so inflation since World War II has averaged 3.42%. That to me seems like a pretty good baseline of what you should expect inflation to be because things tend to revert back to their long-term average. Now, inflation now is, you know, five, six percent. I don't anticipate it staying at that level um, for an extended period of time, but I think it will settle in closer to the three or high twos um, after we get through all the supply chain disruptions and um, the economy starts to get back to normal a little bit. All right. Well, again, that, that makes sense as well. And when you talk, you talk about being conservative and, and um, tax changes and the like, uh, let's talk a little bit about Social Security, because that ends up being what I think people underestimate how important that decision is, is when you claim Social Security, particularly as a couple. I mean, it can make a huge difference in the long run. Yeah, no, it, that's I, I want to focus more on the couple aspect of it right. today, just because that's a mistake I see more often. Right. Is so. People just assume, all right, you know, Social Security, and again, we were talking about this earlier, 
a lot of times it's been drilled that social security is not going to be there. So people will take social security at 62 to their own detriment. And where it's particularly detrimental is in a situation where you have disproportionate income between spouses. Um, and so like, I'll give you an example, uh, a real life example from a client I met with this week. Uh, husband was 10 years older than the wife and the wife uh, doesn't work. So he's the, the main breadwinner. Of course. And so they're both perfectly healthy and they have substantial retirement or he has substantial retirement assets. And so his thought was to take social security at 62 because it uh, may not be there. I want to start collecting it. And who knows, I could die at 75, you know, and statistically, if you make it to 62 and you're a male, chances are your life expectancy is 87. And there's probably more likely than not that you're going to make it to 82, you know, just looking at how the numbers break down, I'm not going to go into detail on that, but we all kind of think, all right, well, what happens if, right? And you make that decision based on anecdotal data, as opposed to just looking at the actual numbers. If you looked at the numbers, you would say, there's no way I want to do that. So what I talked to them about was actually having him defer to 70. Why does that make a difference? Well, there's a 10 year disparity in their age, a little bit under 10, it was nine and a half years. So if he passes away and he deferred to 70 and say he does, say he's right, say he passes away in his mid seventies. Now his wife can switch to what he was collecting, which is that benefit from when he was 70. It's not based on his full retirement benefit. It's based on the benefit that he was actually collecting. So she might only be collecting a spousal benefit at that point, which was half of his full retirement benefit. But now he passes away and she could potentially live into her mid nineties. She's collecting that higher social security. So you have to make the decision based on both of your life expectancies, not on one person's. And that's really, really important when there's a disparity in the income between the two spouses. Well, that's such a and great so the, example, Steve. No, and it, it's something that I see very, very often. And it blows my mind because I think it's, I think it's the, the bold stuff, the bold print that they put on the social security statement that says by 2035, there won't be enough to, to pay you anything. <laughs> right. so, fear mongering, uh, that's what I say. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. And the, there's a lot of fear mongering and it forces people or it, it gets people to, to think, oh, they need to take it early. But if you actually just detach yourself emotionally from the decision and just look at it from a, a numerical and a data standpoint, um, you're much better off a lot of times deferring social security, at least for one of the two of you. Right. And that's something that we're going to do in our financial plans. We do a, a social security analysis and we'll, we'll, we'll show you the, the best timing and the best strategy about for claiming social security. And we still have about five spots left. Hey, that sounds great, Steve. And again, you know, if you want choices, if you want options, now's the time to give Steve a call. 800-705-9995. It's a chance for you to get a true practical financial review. Starts with a phone call, 800-705-9995. You're going to get that comprehensive financial review, plus all the extras that Steve just talked about. The Social Security analysis alone is, is worth the, just going in and having that meeting with Steve. It's no cost, no obligation. Make that call while you're thinking of it today today, 800-705-9995. When you walk out the door, you'll find that you have a roadmap in your hand that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 800-705-9995. That's 800-705-9995. Listeners have questions and we have answers. That and more when we come right back.
Hey, we're back on The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso on Consumer Advocate Steve Siddall. Steve, of course, is a best-selling author. He's got 20-plus years' experience helping folks get to and through retirement. We're kind of learning a lot about him uh, this week. Well, we do every week. Um, but one of the things that uh, is is always fun for us, Steve, is, is the questions. And, you know, the listeners are paying attention to what you're saying. Yeah, no, I, we love getting those questions in every week. And uh, we pick through the best ones or the ones that uh, we think are are affect the most people out there and we try and try and bring them to you every week all right well let's just jump in while we've got time here uh kathy's wondering she says i have to start taking my required minimum distributions this year and i have three different iras should i take some money from each account or take it all from one that's got to be a question you get often it's it's a great question and that's why i wanted to highlight it first this week because sometimes i get a little long-winded and, <laughs> and we don't get to that many questions but um so you don't have to take it from each of the individual IRAs, number one. You can take it all from one account if you want to. Now, I actually like the idea of having three different retirement accounts, but I, I, I would segment those into buckets. So you typically would have, um, in a situation where for a lot of my clients, what, what they'll have is they'll have one account, one retirement account that's kind of safe and liquid, uh, and it will typically have you know, three to five years worth of their minimum distribution set aside there. Then they'll have a growth account that will be in stocks. And then they'll have an income oriented account, which will generate them a, a set amount of income every year. Now, in a situation like we're in this year, if you have substantial gains in your growth account, this might not be a bad year to pull the minimum distribution out of the stock piece of your portfolio, just because we've we've had a significantly good year and you might want to save that liquid that liquid piece for a rainy day um now if you're if you're kind of all over the map with your investments in the three different accounts then it's hard to say take from one or the other but um i i would say if if you've got substantial gains in the stock market this year this year is not a bad bad year to to pull the minimum distribution from stocks Okay, right. I, I like that. And and uh, Kathy, if you want to know a little bit more, 800-705-9995. And uh, Larry is now wondering, uh, he says, I'm no longer employed. Can I roll over a 403B plan into an IRA or do a Roth conversion? You could do either one, Larry. Uh, but I would caution you on the Roth conversion, depending on the size of the 403B, because you're going to have to pay taxes on it. So we never want to make um, give tax advice or even pretend to be giving tax advice on a radio show format. But um, that's one of those things that if we sat down and looked at your, your, your situation holistically and said, all right, you have XYZ amount in cash and here's how much tax you'll owe on the Roth conversion. If you have, if you have enough of a cushion in the bank to be able to absorb the tax hit from doing the Roth conversion, it may not be a bad idea, but again, you'd want to look at it in the context of a plan. You certainly can roll it into an IRA. Um, a lot of those 403B plans are sponsored by insurance companies and are more fee heavy than what you could do in an IRA with, say, uh, using Vanguard funds or Fidelity funds. Um, so that's one of those things that we do. And when we do our plans, one of the things that we'll show you is a fee analysis and so we talk about the fee analysis a lot on the show, uh -huh. but I want to just kind of explain what that is. So every year you get a prospectus from every investment that you own. And in that 
in that prospectus, it's going to show you what you're paying in expenses. It will, there'll be a schedule of expenses and they quote things in percentages. Why? Because if I tell you 1%, it doesn't sound that big. But let's just say you have a million dollar portfolio and the funds in your 403B are, you're paying 1.2, 1.3. Well, that's $13,000 a year. So on our fee analysis, what we're going to show you is what you're actually paying every single year in dollars. And it's usually very eye-opening to people because when they actually see in dollars what they're paying every year, they say, oh, you know, there's no other, there's no other expense that there's no other service that they pay that much money for. Right. So, um, you know, you're not, sometimes it's the cost of a, of a car every year. I, I had one situation where the person was paying, and I was a larger portfolio, but they were paying over $125,000 a year. Oh my gosh. In, in fees. Well, whose retirement so, are they funding? Yeah. And so, not theirs. And, and she said, Oh, I like my advisor. He sees me twice a year and takes me to lunch. And I said, is it worth $125,000? Right, exactly. Well, and again, whether it's a 403B or 401k, uh, a TSP, there there are always fees in there, and it's good to understand where those fees are. And it's you know great to be able to to see that, and then maybe if you can help us, you know, maybe move that money, do a rollover into an IRA where there's going to be less fees. I mean, that's that's a, that's a win win for folks. Right, and it's about understanding why you're doing the rollover. So, getting back to Larry's question, yeah, the reason I'm I'm went on the tangent about fees is because 403B plans, a lot of times the investment choices are more fee heavy. And so if someone's recommending a rollover, you want to make sure that they're explaining why that rollover is in your best interest. Um, so for example, the TSP, going back to the TSP, they'll put up these scare videos on the, on the TSP website about why you shouldn't roll your money over. And the reason those scare videos exist is because someone invariably and I'm not, I'm going to, I'm not picking on Chase. I'm just using them because that's the first bank that popped in my head. Sure. We'll, we'll walk into a Chase with their TSP and say, oh, I just retired. And the representative at Chase, who's probably usually like a 25 year old kid who first job out of college and they're, they're going to say, oh, roll it into an IRA. And we have this great, this great uh, portfolio where we, Chase has a team of people that pick mutual funds and, and we manage it for you. Well, let me tell you about that. You're going to be paying on each of those funds, typically three quarters of a percent and 1%. And then the advisor is usually charging you one in, one to one and a half percent. So now you were in a TSP where you were paying five one hundredths of a percent in expenses. And now all of a sudden you're spending two and a half percent in expenses. Uh, and now if you have a million dollar portfolio, that's the difference between uh, $500 a year and uh, $25,000 a year. Wow. So yeah, that's a so, big difference. Yeah, so that's that's it's a huge huge difference, and so um, and those those pre designed mutual fund allocations, yes, they do have um, they typically do have pretty good mutual funds in them, but they're not objective in how they select them. They're they're choosing from the money managers that are paying that bank or that firm to be sold in their their system. So what what a mutual fund company does is is and I'll just kind of pull back the curtain here, like Wizard of Oz. Um, what what a mutual fund company does is they go out and they negotiate with the different brokerage firms and they say we want to be sold on your platform. And firm X will say whether it's Chase or Merrill Lynch will say, all right, that's fine. Um, this is how much you have to pay us, or these are the things that you have to do for us to be sold in our system. And if you do that, we'll put you we'll put one or two of your funds in our pre-designed cookie cutter packages that are, most of our advisors sell so that, that that mutual fund company knows they're going to be generating business from that relationship. All right. And so um, 
So the process, again, goes back to the independence and the objectivity. It's not 100% objective. It's not 100% independent. Sure. Understood. Well, Steve, you must, there's a couple of spots left. Am I right? Yeah, we still have two spots left. And uh, we love to hear from our listeners. And we had great questions today. And we didn't, uh, as usual, we didn't really get into all of them, but um, they'll come around again. <laughs> yeah. Keep sending them in. And, uh, you know, thank you for making up, making us a part of your Sunday evening this holiday season. 800-705-9995. You're going to get the comprehensive financial review. You're going to see where you are today, but you're also going to walk out with a roadmap that'll help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995. Steve, as always, a pleasure to be here. And again, yeah, it's, it's a, there's a fun show to do. It's, it's very fast paced and great information. Yeah. Love doing it. Thank you for, for joining us every Sunday evening. And, uh, We'll be back here next week. The information on this program is educational in nature and is not intended to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, or other purposes. Information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of subjects discussed. Prior to making any investment or financial decisions, an investor should always seek advice from a financial, insurance, legal, or tax professional that takes into account all of the particular facts and circumstances of an investor's own situation. Laurel Wealth Solutions and or Stephen Caruso offer investment advisory and financial planning services through Bellpoint Asset Management, LLC, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Registration with SEC should not be construed to imply that the SEC has approved or endorsed qualifications or the services Bellpoint Asset Management offers, or that its personnel possesses a particular level of skill, expertise, or training. Coach P Radio!